Welcome to the Hopecast. This week we are looking at Psalm 23 and talking about finding rest in God who is our good shepherd. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you are encouraged by it. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at hopechurchrc.org. You can find us on social media, search for Hope Church RC. And you can email us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns at hopechurchrc at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy. So this week we're in uh, looking at Psalm 23, and, and a lot of us probably know it, right? Some of us may have memorized it at a young age. I can quote it most of the time within reason, probably miss a word or two here or there. And, you know, it kind of changes depending on the translation that you're looking at. But we're going to be talking about rest this week, okay? And as I was, uh, I got up yesterday morning, and I always get up on Saturday mornings to, you know, kind of, most of the time, I'm kind of telling myself, most of the time I have every, have my message done by like Friday. Okay, I try to do that. Don't always happen. There's been a few times that I have to work on it on Saturday. But usually Saturdays I'll get up, I'll read through it, make sure I didn't say anything dumb you know, or for, try to take out any typos or anything that might make me say something dumb. And so yesterday morning at 6.45, uh, I was up, okay? Um, the night before, okay, we put the kids to bed around 10.45, all right? Fridays and Saturdays, we have a relaxed bedtime. Um, during the school week, it's 8.30, but, you know, Fridays and Saturdays, we try to have a little bit of relaxed bed, uh Bedtime. So I wake up and go to use the bathroom and I hear the TV coming from the living room. Okay. It wasn't very loud, but I walk in there and I find the two boys on the couch watching TV, which is fine. Right. I'm not mad about it. At least they aren't fighting. One of them is wrapped up in his comforter that he has drugged through the house from his bed and the other is using the throw pillows as a makeshift blanket. Pretty sure the dog's in there somewhere. But my thought is, it's Saturday. Why in the world are you up so early? We just put you to bed like six hours ago. What in the world? You don't get up this early through the week. We have to wake you up to get you ready for school. You get almost 10 hours of sleep on school nights, but on Saturdays, all of a sudden you're good with six? What in the world? And it's pretty typical for a Saturday at our house. The boys usually get up. At the first hint of daylight, they're only sleeping in if it's a little gloomy and it's not as bright outside. And I usually get up not long after and, and I take on the task. This is one of my tasks I, I take on as a dad. Protecting the peace and the quiet of the house. All right, Because honestly, I don't care when you get up. For me personally. You can stay up all night. I'd rather you not. I really would rather you not. But as long as you're not bothering anybody else, it's okay, right? And I tend to have that, that thought because I'm like them too. I'm up early on a Saturday. Um, there's something about it being my day, right? I get to get done what I've been wanting to do all week, but I couldn't get to. Um, it, it's my day, Right? Uh, I don't have to go to work. I don't have to do anything. I can stay in bed all day if I want to. But I can't not do something. It's just 
I don't know. So I get up too, and I try to sneak through the house. I make coffee. I work on my sermon notes. And there's just something about Saturdays that leaves me restless. And it's probably undiagnosed ADHD, which is one of the things that the Internet has helped me to figure out that I have recently. And so me and the boys are up just doing our thing while the girls and Mary get some rest. And I'm sure maybe as they grow into teenagers, they'll change. And part of me will, will be thankful. And part of me will miss these Saturdays when they're up so early. Um, but I'm ready to have the chance to miss these Saturdays, right? Uh, and hopefully uh, you got to sleep in a little bit yesterday or days when you're off, um, when you really want to, that you get to rest. But we all go through times of restlessness, right? Maybe you grew up in a working class family like I did. And Saturdays were meant for housework and yard work. And everybody pitched in and they got it done, right? Um, I remember uh, spending the night at friends' houses on Friday nights and my mom coming to pick me up around 7 a.m. on Saturday morning because we got work to do, right? And, and I had a list of things I had to get done around the house. If it was in the fall, I would be outside helping dad rake leaves. If it was spring and summer, I'd be outside helping with grass, pick up sticks, you know, trimming, all that sort of stuff, right? And studies show that as, huma- as humans, as, uh, uh, as Americans especially, we don't get enough rest. We don't get enough sleep. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, about one in three adults in the United States report not getting enough sleep or rest every day. Nearly 40% of adults report falling asleep during the day without meaning to at least once a month. Also, an estimated 50 to 70 million Americans have chronic sleep disorders. And this lack of physical rest affects us emotionally and spiritually. Our body's need for rest is tied closely to our spiritual, mental, emotional health, right? Um, the lack of that takes a toll on us. And if you've ever seen comparisons of pictures of presidents uh, on like day one of their first term and the last day of their term, there's a massive change most of the time in their physical appearance, right? Because their lack of sleep, their job is high stress, and it takes a toll on their bodies. And we try to find ways to rest and restful practices through lots of different different ways. And especially uh, during COVID and, and in the years since, um, we've focused more on emotional health. We've focused more on doing things for ourselves and self-care. Some people hike. Some people just sit and be quiet and meditate. Some people fish or hunt. I enjoy doing those things, like be outside. The, there's something about being outside and it, when the the sun rises and you hear the woods waking up and the, you know birds and squirrels and all those sorts of things. Which a squirrel is ridiculously loud in the fall in the leaves. You think like a, some kind of massive animal is coming through the woods, but it's just a squirrel. Some people doom scroll on their phone. Anybody doom scroll? I do. I get that. Um, which is not actually restful, by the way. But all of us need rest. It's built into the rhythm of our life. Right? Every evening, we start to get sleepy. Right? It's called the circadian rhythm. We all um, need rest. And as believers in God, we have a source of rest that's better than any other. In our passage today in Psalm 23, we're going to look at God's goodness and how He shepherds us 
through life and how we can find rest in Him. And as we talk about it, I pray you're encouraged because God is a good shepherd. With Him, we can let our guard down and find real rest and real comfort in Him. So let's read through Psalm 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. And even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. So psalms are sacred poems or songs that express emotion. Sometimes these emotions are thankfulness. It could be frustration or even anger. Sometimes they're filled with sorrow at things that happen. And sometimes these psalms are pretty raw. Because like us, the authors had real emotions. Right? Nothing was sugar-coated. They felt real feelings. And it's easy to kind of put biblical characters and authors on a pedestal and exalt them because of the sacredness of the Bible. But these were real people who faced real issues. And so when we're reading the Psalms, we can find a place for our own emotions and frustrations. Now, there's a lot of the Bible that doesn't have as much modern-day relevance other than just telling us how things were at that time. Like, we don't follow all the rules of the Mosaic Law about cleanliness and observing holy days, but they let us know what the expectations were for the people of the time. But there are other parts that still have a very deep relevance, even for people who aren't believers, who aren't uh, in the church, who are outsiders. And today's psalm is one of those. It's probably very familiar uh, to us all. We hear it read a lot at funerals, right? Often at the graveside, the, the pastor will read it. It reminds us of how good God is, even if we're not in a mindset to receive it because of our grief. Even in mourning, even in sorrow and grief, God is still good, right? And as we're going through this, I don't anticipate that I'm going to say anything that you haven't heard of or thought of before. There's not going to be any mind-blowing revelations. And I'm generally of the mindset that if I do feel like I have a mind-blowing revelation that no one's ever heard of before, it's probably wrong. Because there's been a lot of smart people who've been studying this stuff for a long time. And if I think of something that nobody's ever thought of before, it probably shouldn't be thought of, all right? So as we go through the psalm, I want to keep coming back to this call to rest in the shepherd God. So we'll kind of break it down, go through a couple verses at a time and just talk about them. So first, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, a shepherd is one whose job it is to take care of animals, right? To guide them, to protect them. And in the context that this author was in, uh, David, ancient Israel was made up of a lot of rock and a lot of sand. And shepherds had a particularly tough time because their sheep had to move a lot to find enough food. They couldn't just go to the feed store and buy food for them, right? And I'm sure there were like a wide variety of qualities of shepherds. Some were probably very attentive and looked out for dangers. And they took really good care of their sheep. And there probably were some that were slack, lost a few sheep, 
and some were probably in the middle, right? But here in Psalm 23, we're looking at God as our shepherd. And as Jesus says in John chapter 10, God is a good shepherd. He's willing to lay down his life for his sheep. He knows his sheep and he looks out for him, for them, and his sheep know his voice. Now, some use the metaphor of a shepherd and sheep to refer to pastors and churches and the people in them. And then that is a biblical concept, but it makes me a little uncomfortable. I ain't gonna lie because I've seen that concept abused and misused. I love our church. I want to do everything I can to serve you, but we don't have a hierarchy here. Okay, I'm no shepherd protecting you. We're all following the great shepherd in my mind. right? Uh, there are over 200 other churches that you could worship with in our county today, and, and we don't have much to offer in terms of, of programs or facilities, so I don't have any misgivings about my role. I'm grateful that, that you're here, right? We're all walking together under the care of the Good Shepherd. And so in the metaphor, God is the shepherd, and we, of course, are the sheep. Now, sheep is thrown around as a derogatory term by a lot of people who blindly follow, or it's used for people who blindly follow something without thinking. And that can be true in some instances. Some people do get involved in cults, or they follow you know, schemes, pyramid schemes, multi-level marketing, that sort of stuff. And for us, though, it's a great metaphor because we don't know all of the dangers that are out there. We're not blindly following God. We're following Him because we trust Him, because we know that He is good and He loves us and He will take care of us. God provides for us. He gives us life and breath, the ability to work and to care for one another which is why community is so important. It's important for us to surround ourselves with people who love us and care for us. Because even though God provides, the world isn't fair. And we may find ourselves short sometimes, and we should be able to lean onto one another for help as we need it. And that's one of the main ways that God does provide for us is through our care for one another. He calls us to care for the less fortunate, the widow, the orphan, the foreigner, and with more than just thoughts and prayers, which are wonderful, by the way, but they don't really feed anyone. They don't put clothes on anyone's back or provide homes. They don't keep, keep other people safe in, the, in, in, the, in a practical way. No, taking care for one, of one another requires action, generosity, willing to put others' needs ahead of our own, it's what we're called to do for one another, for our community. And another way that God cares for us in verse 2 is that He gives us peace. God is a calm presence that we can retreat to at the end of the day, just before an important meeting, or even when your anxiety is turned up to 11. By the way, if you have anxiety or bouts of depression, seek help from a licensed clinical therapist and your doctor. Some people live, laugh, love, and other people live, laugh, Lexapro, and there's nothing wrong with that. God leads us to green pastures, to places where we can rest, and there is calm beside of still waters. He is the stillness for us. Now, I know many of us have been through times of high stress where we weren't sure what to do about a situation, or the situation seemed impossible. God, I can't handle this. 
times when life was hectic and the days turned into weeks and months and you weren't sure where the time went and maybe you were just in survival mode just trying to make it through the day. And at these times, especially, we have a good shepherd that we can rest in. We can go to him in prayer, spend time thinking about and reflecting on his love for us, for the promise that we have for the future, and we can find peace. And I know sitting here this morning, that's really easy to say, just go to God. He will give you peace. When our bellies are full, my cupboards aren't bare, I have good health, there are many people that don't have those things. It's easy for us to say. Because every week it seems that we hear of friends and family with health issues. We see a society where we are at one another's throats about some political or social issue. We live in a country where politicians are doubling down on homophobia, transphobia, racism, where minority leaders are silenced by those in power. There's increasing unrest, and sometimes you just have to stop doom-scrolling and spend some time with the Good Shepherd. Disconnect for a few minutes. And He promises that He's faithful to help us find rest. He can calm ourselves. Verse 3 and 4 says, He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And as we go along on our life's journey, God is leading us, renewing and restoring us to walk the path before us. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. We have ideas, we have plans. But if you would have asked 2003, Steve and Mary, what their life was going to look like on the day of their wedding 20 years later, and you told them that this is what it would be like, they might have cussed a little bit. I ain't going to lie, right? They might have said some words that maybe they shouldn't have because sometimes it just happens, right? Uh, we never know what's going to happen. We can't make anything happen necessarily, right? We can, we can make some things happen. We can go out and work hard. We can go to, go to school, get education, uh, pursue a dream, a career. We can do those things. But there's always going to be something unexpected that happens that we have no idea about. We did not see coming at all. And as those things happen, God is leading us so that we can walk that path. Verse 3 says that He does this for His namesake, which is an important distinction, right? All of our lives should be lived for the glory of God. And I believe that He receives glory from our lives even in the hard times. And even in verse 4, when we're walking through dark times, when prayers are left unanswered, when tragedy strikes, children are murdered in schools, which should be a safe place. And no one in power seems to be willing to do much about it because they're in the pockets of lobbyists. When our prayers for children go unanswered, or are answered in ways that we didn't expect, which is a blessing, but still not what we had kind of hoped for. When we can't see a way out of the situation we're in, and maybe we really mess up, we really go off the deep end. He's still there. His power and His strength are available, and He is honored and glorified even in our mistakes because He is able to show us His goodness and His mercy. His power and strength are a comfort. Who shall we fear? 
Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of these things. There is nothing in this world, even myself, that can separate me from the love that Christ has for me. In my darkest times, in my worst times, when I look back and cringe at who I used to be, God still loves me. He always has and He always will. There's nothing I can do to change that, thankfully. No matter how many dangers lay along the path, whether we fall into a hole by mistake or we jump into the mud puddle on purpose, we can rest in the shepherd because he is the one that is sustaining us. We can't do anything to stop his love because if we could, we probably would. Verses 5 and 6 say, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. The psalmist switches up the metaphor a little bit in the last two verses to remind himself and us that, yes, we are the sheep and we are cared for by the good shepherd, but rather than pastures and grass, he brings in a more human, more familiar element. God sets up a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Now, the meaning of this and what this could mean has been spoken about a lot of times. And again, I'm sure I'm not going to bring anything new or mind-blowing. But for David, the author of this psalm, there is a political emphasis here. In ancient Near East literature, there was a, a theme of uh, something called a royal banquet, which was a way of gloating over your enemies to show power and status. You would invite your enemies to your banquet to show them how amazing you were. But in light of Jesus' teaching about loving our enemies praying for those who persecute us and do all kinds of evil against us, the table for us is set up not to display our goodness, but to display God's goodness. And God doesn't intend to do this from far away. He sets up the table in proximity to those who would do us harm, proximity to those who use their religion to gain power and influence, who peddle nationalism in the, mora in the name of morality and holiness, of which it's really not, e not either one. Because we can't love our enemies from a distance. We can't possibly help them to see the light without getting involved. We can't love our community if we're locked inside of our home. And we need peaceful pushback, I feel like today more than any other time in my short life. And it's tempting and easy to say, well, we can't really fix it, so what's the use in trying? But I'm reminded of the story of the little boy who walking along the beach and taking starfish that had washed up along the shore and tossing them back in the ocean one by one. A man asked him, kid, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You can't possibly save them all. And he picks one up and he tosses it back and he said, I saved that one. We do what we can and trust God with the rest, right? Thankfully, it's his kingdom. It's the shepherd's kingdom that is coming into being. And so the result isn't up to us. But that doesn't mean we can just ignore it either. And as we go through these dark valleys under the comfort of the shepherd's care, we have this promise in verse 6. He will give us goodness, faithful love, 
and an enduring presence. He will always be with us. And we don't find that often today. I'm super blessed with parents who love me and a wife who is literally my best friend. We've been through so much together, and I can't imagine uh, my life without her. But not everybody's blessed like that. Not everybody has that. Unfortunately, parents don't always care for their kids like they should. And I know that I've even messed up at times. Marriages end, and sometimes in a really ugly way. Friends come and go. People that would tell you they love you are distant now. You don't hear from them. But that's not God. He's the good shepherd. Always faithful. Always reliable. And not just for our time here on this earth, but for eternity. His love for us is so great that He gave Himself for us. Jesus defeated sin and death so that we can find real rest in Him. And so this week as we go out into our workplaces, into our homes, our neighborhoods, whatever your need is, take some time. Be purposeful about it to find time to rest in the Good Shepherd. He wants to help ease your burdens no matter what you got going on. Whether you think it's something that's little or something that's really big, whatever stress you're facing, carve out some time maybe just to be with your family. Watch an uplifting movie together without your phone in your hand. Practice being present. Take some time to reflect or just to be still and quiet in prayer and contemplation. If you like me, maybe you need some music to back, drown out some background noise or something. There's lots of instrumental stuff you can find out there to help you with that. Um, our bodies and our minds need rest. And thankfully, we have a good shepherd and we can find rest in him. Take advantage of that this week. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, whether it's a situation in your life or maybe a prayer to receive Christ or you'd like to be baptized, I'd love to talk to you uh, during this last song or even after the service. I'm glad to stick around. Um, uh, just you know, come back and we'll, we'll pray together. Uh, or you can pray to God, ask Him to help you with whatever you got going on right there. Whatever's going on in your life, He's asking you to find rest in Him this week. So... Oh, we'll praise her as she comes up. Sorry. I forgot. God, thank you so much for uh, being the good shepherd, for loving us, even in spite of ourselves, uh, for Jesus and his love that was demonstrated for us through the cross and the empty grave. I pray you just help us to, to find time this week to rest in you, to bring our burdens to you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.